And that's it. We're live. Look at that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. Dare I say the cleanest hour in podcasting. I am very excited to meet Mr. Chris Peters. Chris, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you, Ralph? Every time I've been writing your name, it's weird. Mm -hmm. It's not like a girlfriend thing where I'm writing on a book, but uh, kind of the same thing where I'm constantly writing your name. I'm, every time I don't stop at Peters and I write my own name, Peterson. Right. I'm like, we we I, could be cousins. We probably go way back in Germany somewhere. Probably do, uh, and I even have German. I'm I'm part German. I'm uh. You've got to, yeah. Mostly British, uh, uh -huh. by like eighty percent, eighty four percent British. Wow. I know. I just took one of those twenty three and Me. You never done that? Like the? <laughs> have you done? I want that yet? to. I've done Ancestry. I haven't done twenty three and Me. That looks interesting. It is interesting. You know what's fun about the 23 and me is it doesn't just tell you like, all right, so you're 84% British and then there's German French and a little bit of Irish in there. Um, and that's it, by the way, that's it for my lineage, all Eastern Europe mm. or, uh, Western Europe. What is that? Uh, that's West West. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all, anyway, that's, that's the only place I'm from. <laughs> um, but it doesn't just tell you that it tells you, what your preferences are, what your food preferences are. Like oh. people with your blood type, uh, you know, drink a lot of coffee. I'm like, I drink a lot of coffee. People with your blood type, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like it tells you all kinds of stuff. It tells you what you're predisposed to. Yeah. Like I'm convinced. And you have a new sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 23 and me sign on up. <laughs> Tell them. That the housekeeper sent you. I should have a sponsor of 23 You should and me. work not? on that. Yeah, New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution. Although I was upset, uh, truth be told, because I, I didn't want to be British. But uh, my brother, my brother always said that we were like Scottish or, you know, some yeah. Highland warriors. No. Yeah. Nope. Uh, Scottish doesn't even come up. up. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And then there was another part of my family who believed we were Native American. Nope. Zero. Ooh. Yeah. None. That's tough. Yeah. Do you have any Native American? Do you know? You don't know. Well, now I'm not so sure. I've always yeah. been told. See? You know. Yeah, but I've not done the, the test. Yeah, if you're in you Oklahoma and are native, you you know, native to Oklahoma, you're just about bound to have some. Are you from? We've been getting along for a while. I was born in Texas, just uh, well, close enough. I've been in Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, all my life. Yeah, close enough. Shawnee, Oklahoma. Shawnee. We're Where known uh, by some as a, the city of five nations, because we're smack dab in the middle of uh, what used to be Indian territory, and according to uh, <laughs> some court decisions, I think it still is. Uh, oh. But we've got the absentee Shawnee decision. Uh, Absentee Shawnee tribes, Citizen Potawatomi, Sack and Fox, which is uh, Jim Thorpe, um, Seminole tribes right there, and I'm forgetting one. But there, we've got like 39 established tribes here in the state, so it's a uh, it's a pretty big part of our community. Oh, Kickapoo, that's the other one. Kickapoo tribes right there too. So we're we're bordering all these old reservations, and we have a blend of cultures, and we all yeah, just try to get along. It's interesting. That is awesome. The only time I, the, my only reference, and this is going to show how ignorant I am. The only reference I have to Kickapoo is the song by Tenacious, Tenacious D. <laughs> oh man. I haven't heard that name in a while. I, I'm not listening to that song. I remember Tenacious Kickapoo. D from high school. That was cool. 
It's cool back then. <laughs> what was it called? Tenacious D. I just remember them being a thing oh. in high school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't thought about them for a while. Yeah, Tenacious D. They had a song called Kickapoo, I think. I'm going to look it up. I'm pretty sure they had a right song Right after called. I finish my swab. I'm going to have a, 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 It's my other sponsor, Tenacious D. Come on. What are you doing? If they're still around, I'm Come sure on, they'll Jack. be glad to play your music. Jack yeah. and Kyle, how can they not be still playing music, those two? <laughs> anyway, welcome to the House of Podcast. Thank you so much for, for coming on and uh, riffing with me a little bit. So I'm, I'm excited to get to know you. You are, as you said, from Shawnee, Oklahoma. Shawnee, Oklahoma. That's where, that's I where you grew make up. a living, huh? raise a family. That's a large part of my growing up. Yeah. W- what was it like growing up there? Well, so uh, I've grown up in many places. I, I claim Shawnee because that's where I got my undergrad. And oh. so there's a small school there, Oklahoma Baptist University. It's a give them a shout out. Um, they're a great school. And I, I started going to camp there from like seventh grade on. I just knew that's where I wanted to go. So it was uh, very much a family feel. Um, so once once you've gone through your four years there, you I can walk around campus and all the professors still know my name. At one point, I'd been gone for 10 years, and I went to campus, walking down the sidewalk, and one of my old professors walking toward me. I said, oh, hey, Dr. Sanders. Oh, hi, Chris. And just kept walking, twiddling the thumbs like I'd never left. You know, they just assume, you know, you just you just know everybody. I literally, not literally, it felt like I knew everyone when I graduated there. So Shawnee's a special place to me. I've, I got involvement going back, way back when. My, my parents moved around a little bit. Um, where'd, not you, military where'd you grow up as a kid? Where'd you grow up as oh, a kid? Oh, uh, high school. I went to, to Hobart High School, which is an even smaller town in Oklahoma. And uh, before that, I was homeschooled. And we spent a little time in Can- in uh, um, Texas working. My dad worked for the Boy Scouts when I was young. Really? So, what did he do for the Boy Scouts? He, he, he did the thing. It was called being a district executive. And so he oh. traveled all around finding volunteers to start wow. packs and troops and dens. And then wow. he would go find churches that would donate their basements or yeah. whatever and be their, their charter partners. So he was the behind the scenes kind of making the program run, fundraising. So it's wow. funny now that I'm back here pounding the ground in Oklahoma where he pounded the ground and made our, our living for our family. It's really interesting how it's very similar. I don't fundraise. I'm selling tangible goods. But Same it's all about you go to City Hall. You get to know the mayor. You get to know the pastor. You get to know the superintendent. It's all the same people and the same roles and the same highways. Yeah. It's really kind of interesting how you you, you uh, retrace steps. So were you were you a, a, a Boy Scout, a Cub Scout? I'm, a I'm an Eagle Scout. I'm an Eagle yeah. Scout all the way. Yeah. Once an Eagle, always an Eagle. Yeah, yeah. So you so. were you had to start at the bottom. Boy Scouts, Weebelows. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My my dad was a um a den master, den father, den whatever. Yeah. What is it called? Uh, yeah. Whatever. Um, my mom was too. My mom did it. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> we, we did an awful lot of, I had so many um, uh, merit badges that uh, they went all the way down my shirt, little silver, you oh, know, yeah. the, 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 what were those? The silver. Um, yeah. The Cubs had pins and things. Yeah. Well, we had pins too, but when in, in uh, yeah, Weeblos, Boy Scouts, were those like they almost like they were um like chevrons these silver chevrons that you got for every time for a little merit badge and you had this yeah. whole book that you you know walk a lady across the street or help somebody <laughs> with their groceries or right. right like it was all these little things you know yeah 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 uh, 
can get I, uh, some of those took a while i think i i think i finished with like 25 merit badges or something yeah yeah yeah. some of them are tough some, yeah. some of them you worked for weeks or months you had to have long-term projects and yeah it's yeah. a good it's a good experience kind of grew up a scouting family that's so cool here in oklahoma so that's so it's good, cool it's a good childhood what about mom what mom do uh, she placed foreign exchange students. So she talked to those same super school superintendents trying to get permission for some kid from, you know, Eastern Asia or Brazil or whatever to uh, to come to school for a semester or a year. So we had the world at our doorstep. Wow. Often. So did you guys take in a lot of exchange? We did a few them? and it was somewhere in high school. They really started. Um, I, I knew our first one real well. She's kind of an adopted sister from Japan. Mm. Um, we were pretty close. And then I graduated. They had a lot of exchange students after I left the house. Oh, wow. Well, they needed yeah. the extra room. Yeah, they, they kicked me out. <laughs> off, I went, off I went to Shawnee, and that's why – there it is. That's why I claim Shawnee because it's the only place that would take me. So he just stumbled across, across it right there. <laughs> I stay over I Christmas put it break because they let me. Yeah. <laughs> I put it all together. Did you, did you, do you have any other siblings or are you the only child? Uh, yeah, brother, sister. I'm the oldest. Oh, so, you know, the, the overachieving eldest. Oh yeah, sure. So how how old are you compared to them? Oh, I'm about three years older than my sister. Oh wow, so you that's a big age gap. Especially the eight years we were we grew up in different households. You know, he went oh. through several more foreign exchange students and, and yeah. a lot that I didn't. You know, I I wasn't there for. I was off forging my way in the world. I you know the difference between and I was thinking about this. I'm the youngest of four. Mm. And my older brother was, I think, four years older than me, which is not that big of a deal when he's mm. 24 and I'm 20. But right. when he's 11 and I'm seven. Yeah. You're I in the mean, way. <laughs> that's a huge yeah. difference, you know. Yeah. I was 16 and he was eight, you know. Yeah. And that's a eight. huge difference. Yeah. And he's 10 and I'm gone, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. So poor guy. Exactly. We get together for lunch. We hang out. Yeah, that's all, awesome. So, did you, other than Boy Scouts, did you play sports? Did you, what was the, I was kind of, I was in about every little circle. I did like a semester or a year of track. I'm not a track kind of guy. Um, some of the other guys and I that kind of defied labels, you know, because high school, you've got that, at, you know, the people that listen to Tenacious D are the ones that, you know, don't categorize me. You know, uh, <laughs> we, we formed a croquet club. And we, we printed shirts and we'd go all through town and we'd play at different venues and we'd play croquet like a bunch of old gentlemen. That was our uh, our way of rebelling. Uh, uh, in high okay, school, I got really into sticks, ultimate frisbee. Yeah, the with the ball. sticks and the mallets and the wickets. And we, uh, we played <laughs> okay. extreme croquet, yeah, rain, right. sign, snow, whatever. We played croquet at the city park. And uh, we, we, we mobilized. We did a, a bicycle tour day Hobart. And we, we passed out medals and everything. It was like a five-mile bike ride as fast as we could get across town totally unsanctioned right in the middle of the street <laughs> you know that's the kind of trouble we got into in a small town but when i got to shawnee obu i uh, i got into ultimate frisbee and things like that never never anything mainstream always kind of goofy um so i didn't get the benefit of like real team sport experience we would just cobble together it's like a kickball team you, hopefully you're not the last one picked um, yeah you know, but I never played Ultimate Frisbee until I was in the Marine Corps. Oh, yeah. And the first, my first time playing Ultimate Frisbee, 
a guy got hit so hard they dislocated his shoulder and I was like, one of them had to bring him to the aid station. So it's me and another guy and were walking him off. And I just keep thinking to myself, I, I remember as clear as day, as I'm walking off that field, I'm thinking, well, this is a real, I never thought Frisbee was this. It's contact sport. <laughs> Holy moly. It's a contact sport. I saw a lot of blood. And it was co-ed, so it was even worse, you know. I, I don't know that I let Marines play ultimately. That sounds too intense. <laughs> they said they so said we're gonna play ultimate frisbee. I was like, this is the Marine Corps. We're gonna play frisbee, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> right. Eight minutes later, you know, oh, yeah. people were being brought to the emergency room. Oh yeah, like, this is pandemonium. Oh, it feels like a real sport now, just because it's, of that experience. Yeah, it's a real. That's a bloody <laughs> sport right there, ultimate frisbee. I would have never in a million years known oh, that. Oh gosh, <laughs> a deep appreciation for ultimate frisbee. That's for sure. There it is. That's crazy. So what did you study in college? Uh, so psychology. Uh, I was not sure if I was going into ministry or something else. So I was a family psychology major. And my mom, as I neared the end of all that, she said, you know, if you're going to do anything, you better go get a master's degree at least. Otherwise, you're going to end up, you know, cleaning something or running a vending machine route. And I thought, oh, horror of horrors. I can't have that. So um, I got my degree at Oklahoma Baptist and then I went to Oklahoma State. Um, and got my master's degree in marriage and family therapy. Interesting. And, uh, very, yeah, it's kind of a, a, an atypical path. That's me, atypical, right? And then about the time I got my master's degree, I thought, man, a vending machine route sounds really good about now. <laughs> it doesn't sound bad at all. <laughs> but it really doesn't. I mean, it's you not get that to bad way to Yeah. Well, yeah. And so, uh, I got my degree. We moved to California for a few years. My wife, she's a California transplant. So she drug me to Disneyland for about eight years. Um, and my father-in-law saw, you know, hey, you got a degree. You're not the, the dummy I thought you were when you asked for my daughter's hand. But, hey, come with me, boy. Let's uh, show you the show you the ropes. And he's, he's sold pumps out there for 40 years. So he let me tag along with him What's selling pump? industrial pumps. Pumps, you know, just like a gear pump, positive displacement pumps, air um, diaphragm pumps, gear pumps, piston okay. pumps. Right. There's a whole world. Who knew? But not, um, shoes, he, not those kind of pumps. No, no, not like the, not like the cool, not like the heels, not like the ones you got pump it, up. Got it. Got it. The Reebok sure. basketball. No, no, no. Um, so he got me into kind of industrial sales and fascinating. So if I go back to my origins in high school, I was mentored by a guy who sold cleaning supplies. Um, I got How into you psychology. He was just a, a guy at church and they were encouraged, hey, grab a high school kid you think has some potential. Just get together with him once a week. Take him to Sonic or read a book together. Do some, Spend some time with the kid. Oh, that's um, nice. So he would show up like on every Tuesday and take me to Sonic, which is big out here. We're the birthplace of Sonic, you know. Oh, and I did so, not know. I like oh, their started in Shawnee, started in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Oh. And, uh, there you go. I'm a big fan of tater tots and you can't get them anywhere else except for a Sonic. There it is. We got yeah. the trademark apparently. Um, mm. But we would sit and we'd visit. We'd talk about life. We'd drink our, our sodas. And, you know, that just, that impacted me. I ended up making a few deliveries from him and several jobs through high school, college, just always involved cleaning somehow. Right. Um, and so as I kind of made my path, I fell into sales. I just like, I like people. Right. So, so my father-in-law saw that about me, saw that I liked people, that I could talk about anything to anybody. Um, so he, he kind of introduced me to the world of sales. I sold pipe valves and fittings for several years. I sold electronics for a few years. 
And then when I came back to Oklahoma and started kind of replowing some of my old stomping grounds, uh, opportunity came up to get into cleaning supply world. And I kind of started thinking, you know, I've actually done cleaning since I was like 16 years old. Like I was a, a dorm captain at one church camp. I was a, we called ourselves trash weasels at, a, at one camp. <laughs> it was at Falls Creek. And anyone that grew up in Oklahoma knows all about Falls Creek. It's the largest denominational church camp anywhere. It's huge, like 8,000 kids at a time. And I had the unique privilege. I didn't know this was my job until before I got there. But when I got there, they said, you're, you're part of the tabernacle crew. So, okay, great. I'm going to run a camera or something. Well, no, no, no. Here's your broom. After every service, we need you to sweep up. And so me and about five other guys, every single day in the sweltering heat, we would sweep cans and bottles and bubble gum to the front of this great big concrete tabernacle and bag it up and throw it away. We do it like three times a day. And over the summer, there was firework displays. So we'd be out there picking up teeny tiny pieces oh my of gosh. firework yeah. trash every night. You know, so that was that was pretty tough. But we called ourselves the trash weasels. Um, so we had a we had our own little uh, identity there. Anyway, I've been cleaning forever. And so when that opportunity came to do outside sales, selling cleaning supplies, I jumped on it. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I didn't know the pandemic was going to hit us when I started that. That was an interesting industry to be in because I was very essential and on the kind of the front of a lot of that. Um, but anyway, so so. So that's how I kind of got into cleaning. I, I did it, and then now I'm selling the stuff to, to do it. Yeah, so it sounds like you had a, a – I'm so curious as to why marriage why marriage counseling, and have you done any of it? Yeah, uh, well, to get the degree, I had to have about 500 face-to-face hours, so I've done 500 sessions of marriage and family therapy way back away. It feels like another lifetime ago. I think it was just that urge to help people. And that's why everyone goes into medicine or therapy or whatever. Mm. Um, it's why I, I went into housekeeping. Right. Yeah. Well, and you went into housekeeping because you had a dirty house or something. Right. <laughs> and you go into therapy because you kind of had like some messy relationships and everybody <laughs> in there is in there for a reason, you know, probably to undo something from their past or somebody came along at, at a critical point. And so I, I had a little bit of nothing crazy dramatic, but you know, I could wanted to help people in that way. And, um, you know, but for me, and there's some, I have colleagues that are still doing that and I applaud them. A lot of them have their PhDs now. That's great. I wasn't really cut out for academia. I just got bored mm. with studying one topic for a prolonged period. I just couldn't imagine doing a dissertation. I did a 80 page thesis and it about killed me. Um, I just, I'm such a uh, breadth person. I like knowing a little bit about everything. You can't do that in a dissertation. Yeah. Um, you got to know a lot about one thing. Um, so, and, and, and this, it's hard to set boundaries when you're in that kind of role because you're emotionally vulnerable all day long to all these people. And some of them want to be helped. Some of them really don't. They're just trying to check something off a court order. So you see all kinds of people coming to you. Um, it was hard to set boundaries. And so I realized for the sake of my own marriage, my own family, I just didn't have the emotional bandwidth to be that person for everybody every day. Um, so that's why I got out of it. That's why I got into it. Why I got out of it while I still try look for authentic relationships um, with others. I'm kind of the, uh, I, I kind of take a counseling based approach to sales. I don't make people do things they don't want to do. I try to hear them out and kind of find out what's going on inside. So I, it's kind of a different take on sales than maybe a business major would have. But, it's uh, um, yeah. 
it's interesting listening to you talk about it because when I think about marriage and counseling, the last thing I think of mm-hmm. is court orders. <laughs> like, oh man, you get some kids in there and you've got custody and you got all that. Like that's, that's when, and we were a, a low income sliding fee, you know, cause yeah. we're just students learning the trade. So we got folks that were pretty far gone. Yeah, there are a lot of people that just, they, they just go in cause they just feel like they need a tune up and that's great. Um, but we didn't get a lot of those at the agency level. We got the ones that were pretty far gone. If they mm-hmm. didn't go to therapy, they're going to lose their kids. Mm-hmm. It was always real tragic, you know, and someone's life was always hanging in the balance. Oh. And that was a lot to deal with every day, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's, you know, an, an order is late or something didn't get cleaned as good as it could have. That's pretty easy to make an apology and go fix it and move on. Um, you don't have anyone's life hanging in the balance. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, I, I knew a, a lady who was, go, who got a degree in art therapy. She had a master's degree mm-hmm. in art therapy. Mm-hmm. And I remember not knowing what it was like art mm-hmm. therapy sounds. I don't know. It, it, it sounds interesting, but I, mm-hmm. I really had no understanding about it. And she was explaining that children you know, you can get, you can learn a lot from children just by watching them color and the things yeah. that they're drawing and all this stuff. And so the way that she described it was just so this amazing kind of you get in there and you give a kid a box of crayons and some paper and you can learn a lot and you can uncover some things. Mm. And then fast forward, I talked to her like a year later, she's out of school, she's in a practice, she's doing art therapy. And her number one concern is the kids breaking the crayons. Like, forget interpreting anything. The kids are destroying right. the art supplies. Like, yes. it's so far removed from what she thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It these, sounds like it's like the same thing. A, yeah. Yeah, maybe. so. And there's value in therapy. So I hope no one takes takes that the wrong way. There's a lot of value. And I see a lot of good done. Um, we even had occupational therapists come visit us because we'd be working side by side in the agency at some point. And that was fascinating. There's a lot of fascinating stuff. I, I really was impacted, as you probably were. We're not too far apart in age, but Mr. Rogers. I mean, me and my dad went and watched that movie a few mm. years back. Not the one with Tom Hanks, but before that. Mm-hmm. We bawled like babies because mm. it, it had impacted both of our childhoods because his time on TV was so long. Yeah. Um, I was really impacted by the way he connected with people. And he would sit there and just ask him questions and get to a deep level. So as a salesperson... I mean, I want to be Mr. Rogers. I want to sit there and ask dumb questions. I want to really get to know that person. I want them to feel like they were valuable enough for me to spend some time with. It's not about me peddling aware whether they need it or not. I really want to know, like, how do you do your job and what's good about it? What's hard about that? And I tried to ask Mr. Rogers questions all the time. So yeah. it got me into psychology, but it's carried me through my adult life um, into sales. It's really what I think about a lot. I don't set out all the time with a plan. I set out to go make a difference to somebody and I'll go knock on some doors and I'll go look up old friends to do it. Um, but I'm always trying to connect just like Mr. Rogers would at the crayon factory, you know, you just ask all those questions and do something outlandish. I remember he blew a trumpet in a cave. He just wanted to know what it sounded like. And I do stuff like that all the time. I know this is cheesy, but can I just yell? I want to hear my echo, you know, but I just think that's great because I think people appreciate just drop the formality and just be, you know, be together, be authentic. I think, I think that's really special. I, I like, I like the, 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 you know, you're, you're in your car right now. 
right? I mean, you're sitting in your car. Apologies, yes. <laughs> on a, no, no apologies necessary. You sound great. You sound great. So uh, I'll take the new equipment. <laughs> you, do, you do sound well. Um, my only point is that I totally empathize with you. I spent years and years and years and years behind a windshield. Mm-hmm. And there's some amazing, tremendous freedom that goes along with it. Oh, yeah. But also, there is some really hard times. There's lonely times. There's oh, hardships. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, the, the, I mean, I, I had one woman, I, I stopped in and I'm never an appointment setter. I was always just a call, a show upper. You yeah. know, I cold call now. And there are people who would never cold call, who they mm-hmm. just simply wouldn't. But I truly mm-hmm. believe in what I'm offering is helpful. It doesn't mean that you need it. Yeah. And with peace and love, if you don't need it, great, you know. Yeah. But, I, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to spend the rest of the day not knowing I exist. That's, you know, right, that's, right. but I've, I've had, I've had people like get really physically mad at me for how dare I walk into their place of business yeah, yeah. without an appointment. Right. And I would be very innocently like, well, how do I make an appointment? You don't. Oh, hold on. Okay. Well, you know what I mean? Like right. as much as I want to be okay with it, it's still mm-hmm. you go into your car and going, good. It Lord. hurts. It's oh. only happened to me a handful of times. Most of those people called me back during the pandemic. They realized I really need disinfectant. What did you have? <laughs> so I, I got a lot of business cards passed out, even when I got thrown out on my ear. And then, then suddenly we were best friends, you know, cause they really needed it. <laughs> but, but I just don't burn bridges myself. I've been yelled at a couple of times and no appointment. No, you know, okay, that's fine. Have a great day. I'll yeah. see you the next one. And you kind of collect yourself in the car and mm-hmm. you just go, I don't know what was going on for them, but they must be having a really hard time. Because I've and, never reacted that way, you know. I might that, be busy. <laughs> and, and and what you just said there, I think, is so key to it all. And mm-hmm. and it's it's one of those things where I'm always it's always top of mind for me because every time I don't even have to leave the house. I can see it. But that whole adage, you never know what's going on in somebody else's car. And so if you see somebody cutting you off or weaving in and out of traffic, my first initial instinct is what a jerk. (laughs) But then I have to go, okay, what could possibly be making somebody do that? Sure. Mm -hmm. Impatience, you know, uh, sure. Not caring other, maybe though there's an emergency. Maybe you make up stories. My wife and I make a story. I bet his wife's having a baby right now, and we kind of do it tongue in cheek. And uh huh. Nope, he's just a jerk. But uh, <laughs> you know, it takes some of the some of the stress out of it when you can make up a little backstory. <laughs> but exactly, yes. you're you're speaking exactly what I'm saying. Like, like it's 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 hard not to own how sometimes people treat you, right? And and it's there's so much it's so much better if you're able to just pass it off to. It's not me. It's them. It's yep. not them. It's their situation. It's not their situation. It's how someone else is coming at the, you know what I mean? Like you, if you can just keep pushing it down, it makes it so much. I have such a struggle yeah. doing it because somebody could legitimately powerful. be, you know, I could see that they're having a problem that they can't control. And I still sometimes get mad at them for having the trouble they right. can't control. Oh yeah. You can, you can give them the perfect solution if it's not right for them that day. And they, they're just going to tell you no, and you just yeah. move on, move on to the next one. You can't force, you can't force a sales relationship. Not in my view. 
I'm real so did you on. ever did you ever do anything other than sales? I mean, right out of college, it seems like you went right into I went right into inside sales, sales and I kind of learned, you know, the, the technical aspect and the customer service aspect. And it took a while to get into the, the outside sales, you know, because it's a lot of trust that they put in you to mm-hmm. set your own schedule and drive your car wherever and hopefully represent the company well. Um, so it took a little while for me to break into that, but it's been great. I've, I've loved I've loved being in that role, having that kind of freedom and just my day is what I make it. And I want to go meet all the people I can, tell them all about what I do, hopefully make a few friends and not too many enemies. But but I, I really enjoy it. No, it's been sales ever since finishing with my master's degree. Yeah. That's I finally really got great. to the point where people you know, I've, I've changed jobs, you know, a couple of times, not not a whole lot. But the first job was when are you going to go back into counseling? And I'm like, no, no, trust me, never. I know I have this brand new <laughs> degree, but no, I just want to come sell for you. And no one would believe me. But now that I've been doing this 12, 13 years, everyone's going, okay, yeah, it's all you've been doing the last 12 years. We believe you, you know, and then it, then it becomes more, what did you get out of that experience? And then I go into, you know, systems theory and cybernetics and client centered approaches and things like that, that I absolutely got out of that experience. I just use it differently than in a therapeutic setting you know it's i i saw a i saw a uh a poll today on linkedin somebody asked how did you get into the position you're in or, mm-hmm. or the industry that you're in did you fall into it did you study into it did you you know whatever and yeah. it was like 70 percent, or maybe it was even higher it was a majority of people fell into the career they're in fell into right. the industry they're in felt you know yep. i think it happens to all of us and so then it, the question then of what's the degree for it's for me yes for you right i mean your degrees made you a better person makes you more understanding more knowledgeable more patient right so it doesn't matter yeah Yeah, definitely it doesn't matter what the degree is in what what matters is the not not to everybody i know but um certainly for me because i have I, i i went to school for probably longer than most people do and only be in and the only one that benefited was me you know what i mean like there's and there's no clear straight line you know i have a right. degree in, in in u.s history i don't teach mm-hmm. u.s history but man does that help me maybe right. it doesn't seem like it helps me right but trust me it right. well we <laughs> like went the, off on that tangent about like name origins and things like mm-hmm. that like that's a really common tangent i get into like on a cold call you know, yeah. Oh, you got an interesting last name, Troutman. Where's that from? Oh, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. And funny story about my last name. And I've done, people love it when you can guess where they're from. Like I had this one guy, his last name was Sokolov. And I thought, ooh, now that's who you do the Ukrainian spelling, not the Russian, right? And he said, how on earth did you know that? So I just like last names. I like origins. And he was just so excited that I knew he was Ukrainian and not Russian. That was a big deal to him. Yeah. But, you know, knowing that kind of history and being able to have that kind of conversation, it's a it's valuable to people yeah. make friends that way. Very interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so great. How, how, how uh, so now you're with waxy sanitary, called, yeah, supply? Waxy sanitary supply. We're, I think we say we're the largest, we're, we're probably in a three-way tie for the largest distributor of cleaning supplies in the country. Um, and so do you have a certain industry or is it just cleaning it, whether it's schools, hospitals, yeah, it's pretty big. You kind of choose your vertical that you like. And uh, up to this point, because I wasn't always with Waxy, but I got into schools pretty early on. So that's a comfort zone for me. I kind of know my way around to school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could just as easily be a car dealership or 
like an Amazon distribution warehouse or mm-hmm. an airport. It could be any of those yep, things. Yep. So it's just, you know, somehow, some way getting my stuff in the hands of those that are going to go use it. You know, it might be the cleaning contractor. It might be the people, you know, at a school, it's the custodian, or maybe there's four or five custodians. Um, so I've done everything from, you know, commonly I would go to a school and visit every single school in the district and pick up their order, almost like that a meal delivery guy. What do you need on Friday? Blah, 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 blah. Great. We'll have it here. Mm-hmm. You know, but people need that. Otherwise they're sitting there late at night on the site and their computer crashes or they just, they forget to order something. And so I kind of walk them through an order and, you know, I know I saw a carpet spotter. You got a good carpet spotter. Oh no, I need some carpet spot. What do you recommend? Oh, well, this one's really good. It's dual powered. And you know, you, you get some peroxide action, you get some surfactant, blah, blah, blah. You know, you educate as you go, yeah. but it's, they need it. They just forgot that they mm-hmm. needed it for a second. <laughs> you know, so. And not only that, but that. that's, but you going in and talking about this month's specials or pro- mm-hmm. new products and latest trends and stuff is way better than sending them an email and hoping they read it. Oh yeah. It's a time, it's a time for them to focus on them. Mm-hmm. What do you do here in this building and how can I make that better? And, you know, they might not get that time to reflect if they're just scrubbing a toilet. Yeah. Or keeping up with a schedule and yeah. wondering who's going to show up and who's not. So it's always kind of that listening is everybody calling in sick? Well, we might need to start talking about autonomous cleaning robots, or we might need to introduce them to another friend of mine who can supplement their custodial staff for a little while. That's what we've been doing a lot of lately is I'm getting to know the people that have extra staff because all the, you know, older janitors decided COVID's a really rotten time to work in a school system when you're almost retirement age, nobody wants to get sick. And so a lot of them have left and they were there 20 years. The school doesn't know what to do. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of connecting the dots. Like, Hey, you should call my buddy, Jason. You should call Steve. You should call Terry because they've got extra people and they'd be glad to provide them to you if you need cleanup after a basketball game or whatever. And those are the kinds of things I don't directly get anything out of that. I'm not charging yeah. a finder fee. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm just trying to make sure the building's clean. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully they remember that I was the guy that helped them do that. And then, you know, if I can buy paper towels from Chris or from Daryl, I'll buy it from Chris because Chris was there when I needed him. It's about the same price anyway. Yeah. So it's yeah. relationship brokering. It's, it's most of my work. Yeah, I agree. And and what I was, the point I was trying to make earlier about you mm-hmm. spending so much time in the car yeah. that if you're going to spend this much time in the car, wouldn't it, it, isn't it better to do it with people you like and you're looking forward right. to going and seeing people and you're going and, you know, that's why the, the same route is so helpful to mm-hmm. delivery drivers and th- because you get to know people, even though we're only seeing right. each other for 10, 15 minutes at a time, at mm-hmm. least, you know, Oh, it's just, you know, yeah, I'm glad you're here. Or, you know, I okay. haven't got that much time right now. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you develop this relationship. It's not always the cold call, the cold call, the cold call, right. because if all you're doing is cold calls, no warm calls, it can be. Oh yeah. You get that relationship. I mean, I've walked, well, I've walked with people through cancer battles and, I try once we've we've got to know each other. I try to add them on Facebook. I've got yeah. all kinds of little little custodian ladies all across the state that follow me and my cute kid pictures on Facebook. You know, and I may not even see them because they're not my customer anymore because I changed jobs and whatever. But I still value them as a person, and we're still friends. But I mean, I've cried with people. I've hugged people. You know, during COVID, I just anyone that would let me in the door, I'd go see them. I end up running a camera for a church's production crew for an hour. Cause they were short a cameraman. Hey, Chris is here. You know how to run a camera? Uh, kind of, you know, and it was just someone would let me in the door and we had a thing. Yeah. 
and we did the thing and I moved on to the next one. But yeah. it was meaningful that I would show up and I was a warm body and I don't know. It's it's been and willing to help to and me. Yeah. All yeah, of you can attach people. All of a sudden you're not a salesperson, now you're family. Now you work right. there. Exactly. Now, right? They may not need me for months. But you start using that me, you yeah. start using that language of we. Well, what yes. are we accomplishing or how are we working yep. on this and what is our solution for the right and then and then <laughs> I'm, I feel like I talk like that. And I think I did it intentionally when I first started as a salesperson, you know, just starting to try to invite mm. myself into the scenario by using right. the word we. But mm. now I'm just so comfortable that I could be at the gas station and there could be a problem. I'm like, all right, what do we what do we want to do? Like, who are you? I don't know. I'm just willing to help. <laughs> right. I'm I just own everyone's problems. Yeah. Right, I mean, well, here we are owning everyone's problems. And that's why I was in therapy, right? <laughs> but that's why I got out. No, yeah. But, but yeah, then people really appreciate that. And that yeah. they resonate, they come alive, and you just do enough of that, and things, magic starts to happen. Yeah, I agree. So how long have you been with Waxy? Not real long. I'm still the new guy, and oh. I'm going to milk that as long as I can milk that. It's a lot to learn. Uh, about three months. Oh, I've wow. Been in, I've been in cleaning distribution for three years. Yeah. So long enough to be dangerous, by no so, means an expert. <laughs> so why'd you choose Waxy, can I ask? Yeah, it was it was a better situation. I started at a, a smaller mom and pop kind of scenario, and they were great people. But there's only so many things that a mom and pop can do in terms of benefits, mm -hmm. things like that. So you know, car mileage was starting to stack up. Mm -hmm. and I wanted to make sure I was not only breaking even. I wanted to make sure I could kind of plan ahead for the next car. And kids got older, and they needed braces. And so, well, I need someone that's big enough to have dental coverage. So where I'm not paying $6,000, I'm paying whatever, $2,000 yeah. or whatever. So those kind of things kind of add up. It, you know, whatever you make a year, you start taking out the cost of dentists and the <laughs> cost of gas and new tires and oil changes. You know, you could do a lot of things for that same money if you start paying all those out-of-pocket expenses. So I just started looking around. I met a lot of my competitors, which was actually really refreshing. There are a lot of really good people. And so... I'll go in now and, oh, we buy from such and such. Oh, you know, he's a really great guy. I've never heard a bad thing about that guy. You know, if he's doing a good job for you, awesome. You got a good one. But if he retires, if he's having supply chain issues, I'd be glad to help, you know, but, but you're not going to go wrong with him. So we, we, we speak well of each other. Yeah, very um, good. So I did. I got to know a lot of my competitors over the last year, visited all their warehouses, watched everyone stockpiling styrofoam cups getting ready for the, the next shortage you know hoping they guess right do we need masks do we need foam do we need hand toilet sanitizer paper. toilet paper <laughs> what did we run out of last year we don't want to run out of again mm -hmm. you know i got to see everybody's stockpiles which is interesting in and of itself um but you know i don't i don't even speak ill of them because i got to know a lot of them and spent a lot of time talking to a lot of them but waxy was just kind of you know it's got a global platform um i don't have to worry about are we are we financially soluble because we're everywhere and there's all kinds of good things happening a lot of big high profile deals and just the benefits was, was really good for my family so you know we didn't um we didn't touch on that at all how how big is this family of yours i've got four kids so Holy you know it could be moly. bigger it could be bigger um four. yeah we, mo we moved back with two and we thought we were finished and something was in the water and now we got two more so we've got we've got two that are like nine and seven and they can feed themselves and brush their teeth and take themselves to bed and they're pretty pretty easy and now i've got a two-year-old who last night my wife comes in laughing with a crying baby which was weird to wake up to at 3 30 in the morning 
but I heard this squall and my wife comes in there holding the baby and she's laughing. I'm like, what on earth is going on? She said, the baby was in the kitchen on a stool eating marshmallows at 3.30 in the morning. This is what the two-year-old is up to now. She's potty training and she's stealing marshmallows in the middle of the night. And I don't know how many times she's done it. But we caught her last night. So she started crying when my wife walked in the room and she knew she was busted. She started crying. So we're trying to laugh and get her back to bed and not wake up the baby at the same. It's just a comedy of errors right now. Um, but that was a good, you know, I can be home. They're real big. If I'm still at the office at four, when I do go to the office, they're like, what are you doing here? You need to get home to your family, which mm. I really appreciate. And uh, yeah. when I met the general manager, she covers Oklahoma City and Wichita. She said, all we need you to do is show up and be there for people. Just treat people good. We'll figure out all the rest of it. We know you know what you're doing. You've been in sales a while. You'll figure it out. Just be good to people. And, you know, they worked out the payment and everything where I'm not worried about where my next meal is coming from. I can just show up, be available, build some relationships. They gave me a long runway which was really nice. Some of the that others really were, nice. we need you to hit this quota in a month and we need to, okay, well, I, I'll work hard, but I'm also not going to work till eight because I got little kids at home. I'm, I'm going to be home at five, mm-hmm. you know, and Waxy was real understanding of that. So That's I've really met great. I've met the CEO, I've met the president, I've met all kinds of big wigs and they've all been super nice and super family focused and funny and we've cut up and talked, we've dogged on each other's sports teams and it's a, it's a big company, but it's, it's pretty easy to get to know people if you give half an effort. Yeah. Oklahoma, it's tough to even know who your team would be. Like what's, what NFL team do you follow? Well, I, I grew up with America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Of course. And then, you know, they were, they're glorious in the nineties. So I thought they could do no wrong when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old, they were back to back to back. Well, they beat Michael the Giants Irvin. yesterday. They, I watched him. I was super happy. Well, I kind of, during the time they weren't the t- team of the nineties, they had kind of a rough two thousands and, I kind of thought, you know, the Packers aren't so bad either. So I'm kind oh. of a, you know, I'm kind of a turncoat in a way. I love both of them. My wife is actually a huge football fan too. And we've got basically a list of hero teams. Like we always root for the Cowboys, always root for the Packers. The Chiefs are, you know, on our list. We like the Pack. We like Mahomes. And then we've got our villains. We just hate the Steelers. We don't know why. We just hate the Steelers. And I will never, <laughs> never root for the Chicago Bears. I don't know why. Something about the way Mitch Trubisky looked one day. I just decided I hated the bears or something, you know? So like, I've got, I've got like the ones we always root against and we've got like three or four that we like, Oh, they're good. And when they play each other, we'll have to choose sides. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And they're all doing good this year. So I don't know what I want to do. Come super bowl. It's they're going so with me too. funny. You know, I, I was a big Brett Favre fan too. Oh yeah. And uh, so I could see the attraction of wanting to uh, root for the Packers and oh, for uh, sure. you know, I mean, I don't know what young red-blooded American male didn't enjoy the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. I forgot. I didn't know they were a <laughs> they team when I was a kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh, man. No, I grew up covering my seven-year-old's eyes whenever they're on the screen. So now we I watch gr- the Packers because they're cold. They're always wearing a lot of clothes. Everything. Yeah. So the, the Packers cheerleaders are way safer. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. I grew up in Boston. I grew up a Patriots fan my whole life. And so when I, as a kid, we, we always hated, we always hated the, the jets. Oh, uh uh-huh. And, you know, there was some talk about the Steelers, but we always, it was the jets, the dolphins, you know, because they were in our division, you know, Mm -hmm. we we didn't like either one of those teams or the giants, you know, good Lord. 
easy but to hate. Anything to hate. New York. You know? Yeah, yeah. But then in 1985, we go to the Super Bowl against the Chicago Bears, and they beat mm. us with William the Refrigerator Perry. Oh, and, yeah. you know, ever since then, we've all hated Chicago. Right. <laughs> right. right. Well, in baseball, I'm a, I'm a big Dodger fan being on Southern California for a while. I will always hate the Astros forever. Forever. You know, I used to kind of have disdain for the Yankees, but not, you know, specific because they're not rivals. They're right. just the other big market team. You know, hated the Giants, but now like, yeah, the Giants aren't so bad. I hate the Astros. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you beat us in the World Series under questionable circumstances. You're on my naughty list forever. Yeah. But, well, so much of that is what did your dad, whose, whose team was your dad's team and what market games even show? Like, we watch, we've got Browns games on TV all the time out here now. Because Baker Mayfield's an OU guy, uh, and everyone wants to see what's going on with Baker Mayfield. We didn't. Mm. We didn't even really think about the Browns going. They were never on TV. The Jets mm-hmm. were never on TV out here. It was. It was Cowboys. It was Packers. It was Chiefs. It was 49ers because they're rivals of the Cowboys. You know, but it's kind of you get a different mix, and I think they're mixing yeah. it up a little. I'm starting. Like, hey, I never really watched the Ravens play much growing up. They just never were on our broadcast they were on someone else's broadcast yeah it's so funny because we yeah. watched the ravens baltimore right. was always on market. Yeah. anything in new york you know yeah. ohio we got some right. ohio we got uh the eagles you know right the giants actually so uh the giants their spring training camp was in vermont when i was a kid Oh yeah, so, you're a Green Mountain boy. Yeah, so they so they were they were kind of like right in the backyard, you know. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of a lot of my parent like my dad's friends or a lot of them are Giants fans. My dad was always a Patriots fan, of mm-hmm. course, because mm-hmm. he's you know a respectable gentleman. But um, <laughs> well, that let the air out of the room. Yeah, that took the air out. No, <laughs> this isn't football talk. How dare you? <laughs> no, it's just it's just fun uh to to hear about, you know, growing up and and football teams and sports and who you root for and I think you're right. I mean, it's all about what your dad rooted for and you know, my mom worked at the stadium when she was a kid, oh, you know. Yeah, lifelong I mean, fan automatically. Automatically. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's it's super fun and and you know, during the Brady era, everything was was amazing. But everyone's mm-hmm. like, you know, you guys have had like I grew up my whole life never winning a game. Like my right. whole life, we didn't. Right. We we went to the Super Bowl one time, and and you know the the the, the Chicago Bears literally had an end zone dance that they did like eight times. You know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> They did like the 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 touchdown shuffle. All right, like it was right. so embarrassing. We helped them invent it because they got lots of practice. At our they state. got lots yes. of practice yes. that game. Yes. Know? Well, what I love about sports is you. you know, I mean, you can you can pretend you love or you hate or whatever, but it's just that shared experience of a game. You know, you know, I was all over. I don't, I don't remember what his title was. He was he way outranked me here at Waxy, but I heard he was a Giants fan. I just laid into him, and then the the CFO was a Dodger fan. So he had my back and he's just laughing and I'm dogging my superior. All the giants are horrible. And you know, you think I guess could find a bat somewhere or whatever. And we just talked smack for about 10 minutes, just a bunch of guys. And suddenly we weren't the CEO and the CFO and the new guy. We're just a bunch of guys dogging each other. Cause it's fun. Yeah. And I don't even mean anything I'm saying. It's just fun. 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, I like I like that, that that brings people together. I agree. And you know, there's an art to I was going to say there's an art to sales, but what I really mean to say, and I think you've talked about it already, is there's an art to being a friend. Is there an art to being, yeah. is, is to making new friends. There's an art mm-hmm. to, to, you know, letting people know that you're a good guy and right. what they can expect from you. Just, and not based on your catalog of supplies you have, but based right. on the way that you talk and the way that you talk about them. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm a, I, and again, I think it goes back to my sales training where I was always very, you know, pay attention to what's on the wall. If they have pictures of kids on the walls and ask about the kids, if they have a picture of the Patriots, then, you know, no to their Patriots fan. You know, mm-hmm. if they have a medal on the wall, then they must be a runner or a cyclist or something. Ask them right. about that. Right. Like just paying attention. And when you first start out with that kind of training, it seems very foreign and forced. But then as you get good at it, I don't even recognize them doing it. Like right. I'm just genuinely looking for reasons to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Just, Cause I like you just I because I want you. to like you. Yeah. Yep. There's entire books written to how to win friends and influence people. It was the biggest takeaway. If you pretend, if you fake it, people kind of guess that and they're ready to get you out of the office. My first job out of college relates to this. I walk in my my father-in-law had managed to get me an interview. He said, I don't work with this company, but they're, from what I hear, they're a great place to get started. They sell a little bit of everything. They're a big company. Try them out. So the guy agrees to see me. I'm not really sure why. He didn't even know my father-in-law that well, but we sit down. He said, you know, the only reason I agreed to see you is because you're from Oklahoma. And I, I went to high school in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, sure I am. And he would kind of talk geography. And I just noticed he had aquarium stuff all over his office. And so I was like, you know, do you guys do a bunch of business with aquariums? Do you have an aquarium? And literally he talked for the next 30 minutes. I didn't hardly say another word. And at the end, he said, well, I don't need anybody right now. But you're all right. I like you. I want to find you a job somewhere here in the company. I think my brother needs somebody. So I ended up working in Riverside, California, running a warehouse in the heat of the summer. But then I came right back to that office six months later and got promoted in a really highly visible role. And the guy didn't even do that much with aquariums, really. Like, I got to know him over the next six years, and he really wasn't that much of an enthusiast. He had one, sure. But we never talked about aquariums a single other time. <laughs> but I took an interest that one day, I happened to be from Oklahoma. He was in a listening mood, and I got the job that started me on my career and got us settled in California. Let us buy a house out there before the real estate went nuts, you know. So you just never know what that, that question that genuine curiosity in someone else might lead you. It may go nowhere because that's happened too. But every now and then it goes somewhere big. You just never know. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it goes right back to that Mr. Rogers, right? Be curious, mm-hmm. be open, mm-hmm. be a good person, be inquisitive, be interested in others, mm-hmm. do good things. Right. And people will want to be with you. <laughs> no question. Because they love you and they're going to want to be your friend. The opposite is also true. Don't mm-hmm. be inquisitive. Don't be a good person. I worked for this guy once. I worked for him. And I knew everything about him. I knew mm-hmm. how many kids he had. I knew what his kids' names were. I knew where they were going to school. I knew what was going on with his wife, all that stuff. He didn't know the... He couldn't tell you what my last name was. He never mm-hmm. asked. Right. Never asked. Right. And. 
it's one of those things where you're always just waiting for it. Yeah, you're waiting for somebody to return the question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. oh, how many kids do you have? And I'm like, oh, you know. And then the normal you would think mm-hmm. is like they're gonna go, and how many kids do you have? And then when oh, it yeah. never, they just right. <laughs> you're right. like, I've been working for you for twelve years, maybe. Right. <laughs> you know, this whole time I'm thinking I'm wrong. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Right. Wait a minute. I'm not mm-hmm. wrong. You know who's mm-hmm. wrong here. <laughs> the person not inquisitive. Absolutely. So what is your what is your um current goals? I mean, obviously you're just starting with this company now. You have four beautiful children at home. How old is your youngest? I know you said you had a two-year-old. Is that the youngest? Did I lose you? Frozen on are the plane. Back? Oh, there you are. are we back? <laughs> and you're back. We're back. She's three months. That's our age, oh. age range. Three months to nine years. Three to nine. Holy. Three months. Just sleeping through the night. Yeah. Wow. We're back. I'm going gray. You can't really see on camera, but my wife. You look great. Not. You look great. I, appreciate it. I, can't, I, I get mistaken <laughs> for, you know, teenage 12, you know, 20s, which is wonderful because I'm pretty close to 40, but uh, <laughs> I still carry myself like a kid, I guess. So. I'm not complaining. Uh, yeah. No, so what? So what are you working on now? I know that you're you're just getting into this three yeah. months in, feeling pretty well, good I've, about it. I've laughed about that. I've kind of told my boss, you know, I think I might want to be sales manager here in a couple of years. You know, trying to show a little ambition. Sure. And she's like, Yeah, but do you really want everybody's problems? Because because <laughs> she's like, literally, if you're a sales manager, you're never going to leave the office. Every issue is going to come to your desk. I'm like, Oh, you make a good point. I think that's not my goal. <laughs> <laughs> took me about you know two minutes to switch. No, I think I think my big thing is being a, being a lifelong learner. I've thought about going back to school to get a PhD, like in organizational psychology. I think that'd be really fun if you could come alongside and help people design systems, kind of integrating the labor shortage, supply chain issues, uh, just you know relating with people on a, a systems level. I think that could be a really fun place to take my career. Um, I'm going to have to wait a minute because, you know, she's three months old and I'm not sleeping much and school takes work. But when she's, you know, able to go potty and eat and things on her own, then, and, and my wife's kind of, we thought that might be kind of a fun place to go, you know, cause that could take you into college administration. That could take you into consulting. Yeah. That could take you higher up in a company. Um, there's a few different things I could do, but I just like the idea of learning and applying that knowledge and maybe earning a seat at that table where some of the decision makers are that maybe they don't want to talk to the toilet paper guy, even though we have the same level of education, they don't know that when I walk in the door, they just know I'm there to sell them toilet paper. They don't know I have a master's degree. And a lot of my friends are PhD. Like, Oh, I can have a conversation with you. I think that would be interesting to be able to have that, that rite of passage where people say, Oh, this guy has studied enough in a field that he's a little bit of an expert. Maybe we should invite him and listen to him. I think would be intriguing. So, you know, maybe the next five to 10 years, if my academic credits haven't expired by then. <laughs> you, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's so interesting that you're saying all that because I too have toyed with the idea of getting a PhD in organizational development. I mm-hmm. too am interested in the field of, I'm really more in the interested in the field of organizational development, but I think organizational psychology is so close. Yeah. 
Um, it may be, and maybe the psychology part is a little bit more of the behavioral part, mm-hmm. which I'm not as interested in, not mm-hmm. as interested in the behavior part as I am mm-hmm. in the development part. Well, let me say it better. I'm more interested in the structure of an organization than the behavior of the, uh, the employees. Right. Well, it's very think, systemic. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can do a lot more with the development or the, the structure of, a, of an organization than you can the behavior of. I know one yeah. influences the other and they both, you know, you can go either direction. I, mm-hmm. I just like the development side. I like the, the structured side. Yeah. I can see but that. at the same time, I also struggle. Not, not that you struggle. Let me, let me own it, send me a different way. I, I have always struggled with a little bit of an identity crisis in that, you know, I'm a housekeeper and I have a master's degree. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in most of the people who I report to don't have a master's degree, right? They have a bachelor's degree. It doesn't make them any less. It doesn't sure. make me any more, mm-hmm. but sometimes I wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I wrestle with my position, not, you know, cause my position doesn't call for a master's degree. Right. You you don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to have a high school diploma to be a housekeeper. Sure. And to have one doesn't really mean much. And so then I'm like, well, then I need a different level of one. And then I need another one of them. <laughs> and then I'll get well, another, you know, and I know some very foolish PhDs. Well, you know, they're you know, so fair. It doesn't make you wise. It might make you well studied in one area. So it doesn't automatically give you wisdom. And wisdom is what pays the bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no but, question. But yeah, there is that temptation to get just a little more, a little more. Yeah, so I, 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 I know that I do not want a PhD for the title, mm-hmm. but I also know I would love the title. And I don't know what I just said, <laughs> right. but I know I said something. <laughs> yeah, no, the I'm duality of man is what I'm I want to be seen say. in a certain way, and I think it would benefit. Others, if I was seen in this way, because I've got something to say, but I don't need you to call me doctor every two seconds. I just, yeah. I want to be able to lean into it when I really have something to say. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's both. And I think it's important. I think it's okay to both be interested in something so much so that you pursue it. And it's okay to be recognized for the completion of that pursuit. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what a degree is. It's it's a completion of a pursuit. Yeah. I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Well said. Housekeeper's podcast. Uh... Well said. <laughs> Landing the plane. Landing a plane. <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and uh, tell me where, what is your territory? So what's the geography? If I'm in Oklahoma, if you're in Oklahoma, you call me, we'll do lunch. I'll find you. Um, I don't have a specific territory. I'm the new frontier guy. Everyone else got a territory. Okay. You know, they've got a route that they're on. Yeah. I started with zero customers. Okay. So I went through our house accounts first. Hey, these guys buy pretty often. Maybe they'd appreciate having a rep. So I kind of did that for a couple months. Hey, would you like to have a rep if I were to oh, be okay. your rep? Or are you happy just doing the way it is? And then, you know, adding people that I've met in the industry. Here's where I am now. Can I help you in this new capacity? Um, I don't really have a geographic territory. It really just has to make sense with a truck. You know, yeah. can we get a truck to you in a reasonable amount of time so you're not disappointed? Sure. Great. Oh, I can be your rep. You could be my customer. Sure. You know, the panhandle is tough. There, we get people from Colorado and Kansas 
call on our panhandle more than Oklahoma City does. Oh, well, that's that a makes pretty sense. big difference. There's a you could, it's taken me four hours just to get to like Alva or Woodward, which are not even quite to the panhandle yet. It's a surprisingly large state, um, and you just no one has time to drive four hours to have a no-show appointment. And things didn't quite work out, so here I am spending the night hoping they work out tomorrow. Doesn't work out for most people. So yeah, that's happened to me a lot when I yeah. was on the road sales. It's tough. Yeah. I don't mind if I drive twenty minutes and it falls apart, but if I drive four hours and yeah. you get called out of the office, it's that's a downer. So uh, no, Greater Oklahoma City is kind of my sweet. Oh spot. okay, yeah, okay. Greater Oklahoma City. Shawnee's just a little east of there, thirty minutes. There's a great marathon in Oklahoma City that yes. I hope to run. I ran the marathon in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah. You should come out. Yeah, it was yeah. a it's a memorial memorial marathon, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you That's run a right whole by other conversation. Yeah. I was here in '95 when all that happened, so I'm, oh, I'm no. glad they bring that back to memory. I can't go to the museum without remembering that day, you know. Yeah. But I'm glad they they do that with the run. It's, I've run the 5K. I'm not mm. quite up to marathon shape, but I can get into 5K shape pretty quickly if I apply nice. myself. Nice. But. Well, I, my wife and I, Oklahoma is on our list. Well, we've already run in Oklahoma, but we both want to do the Oklahoma City. So when we are there, yeah, definitely going to have to meet you and your yeah. wife out for a, I don't know, a Coca Cola. I don't drink. We'll so. get peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, yeah whatever it is. You know, yeah. I was going to say a drink, but I didn't mean an alcohol. It hey, doesn't matter. Diet Coke is great. Diet Coke's fantastic. <laughs> it doesn't hurt anybody. And from what I understand, you can drink as many as you want and still drive home. So, yeah, you might need a bathroom a few times if you drink well, too many. But hey, that's why we're here. Is there anything that I can do to help you right now? Is it would it be helpful for people to reach out to you, share an email, a phone number? I just love networking. I think I think what I love about my job, I really love my vendors I work with. I've met a lot of guys that are 10, 15 years older than me that are just great. They're my big brothers in the field. We get together, we have lunch, we talk, we staff things. I love Excellent. my vendors. I love my customers because those are the people that, that really make it happen and make it worth getting out of bed every day. But then I, I, I really enjoy my LinkedIn network. And so I've appreciated your podcast. One of the things I've loved is several of your guests I've gone and I've followed. I've oh, connected. Good. We've started our own conversations. Um, it just makes me more aware of what's going on in the world. And if they're not in my area, there's limited amount of getting together we're working together we can do but we can still learn from each other and i yeah. really get a lot out of that so I, I really appreciate just the networking aspect i've got people reaching out to me from new england hey can i see that machine well you could but i can't come to you you'd have to talk to a sister company let me get you squared away and i'm happy to do that i'm happy to have anybody interested in what i do but yeah just you know all the networking i pretty much connect with anybody that shows an interest and you know if we can just help each other yeah, awesome. Great. Is that's Great. that's all I'm looking for in my career. Excellent. You know, out. I'm actually speaking in Oklahoma. Now that I think about it, I'm speaking oh. in Oklahoma in May. Oh, convention? Yeah, for the Oklahoma Healthcare Association. Oh, so, there you well, actually, go. I think it's leading age Oklahoma actually. Okay. So, um well, I'll try to find myself a ticket. Yes, that get you a fun. ticket. It'll be I'll a lot of fun. There. All I'll, right, I'll try that's to it. Chris Peters of Waxy Sanitary Supply down there in Shawnee, Oklahoma. If you need anything, look Chris up. Right, Chris? Yep, LinkedIn. Chris LinkedIn. L. Peters. Chris Peters, LinkedIn. Ralph Peterson, House Keys Podcast. We'll see you guys later.